Y'all like the car magnets? You'll be a target. Right? You need to get one and be a target, though. Everybody needs to be a target, right? Amen. Thank you, Lord. That was really great, wasn't it, the worship time? Yep. Mm. The Lord's good, isn't he? Yes, he is. You know what my uh, granddaughter told me last night? She said, "Uh, I love church. I love the Lord because he's nice. I thought, yeah, he is nice, isn't he? The Lord's nice. All the time. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm going to start here in a minute. First, I want to just look at everybody for a second. You know, that's the old trick that preachers do, or any kind of public speaker, is to keep from getting messed up, is look at your audience for a moment. Okay? And then, you look at the people who have nice looks on their face, you can always look back at them later. <laughs> the ones who have frowns on their faces, just don't even look at them at all. Just, you know. I'll tell you, the, the, the champion of looking like he's interested in what you're saying in this church is Buzz Schaefer. Because Here, here's how Buzz does. He goes, he's like, golly, Lord, help me. I'm so sorry, Buzz. I, I must have drove you nuts this morning. And darn, that was the greatest message ever. <laughs> so you just really can't read people's faces, right? But you kind of can, right? You just have to get out of your mind. But thank you, Lord. I'm just enjoying the Lord's presence, trying to get myself together here. Ooh, but that was great. That was really good. I just love the Lord like that, man. I love when He just does that, man. I can't get enough of that. You know, it's it's addicting. It really is. Once the Lord's presence touches you, there's nothing else it works, really. For me, it doesn't. Anyway, it's like, I'm never going to be satisfied again, Lord. And unfortunately or unfortunately, when I first got saved, I had this experience with the presence of the Lord like that, and it's just been like that all my Christian life. And I just think it's going to be like that for the rest of my Christian life. I hope so anyway. If it's not, then I've missed the road somewhere. I've missed a turn, right? Because the Lord wants to manifest His presence in the earth. He said that. Jesus said that, right? John 14, I will manifest myself to you. That's what he said, so we can count on that, right? All right, so speaking of manifestations, uh, you know, for the last few weeks, I've been talking on this topic of the seven spirits of God, and I've been doing this for a long time, it seems like, so long that I'm tired of talking about it. Not really, but I'm thinking, I bet they're getting tired of this topic, but um, it's what I call an exploration, Okay? Exploration. I am personally exploring more of what the Scripture teaches on the Holy Spirit. And I'm personally exploring more of the Holy Spirit Himself. And this is one of the things I discovered in the book of Revelation. It uses that term four times. Uh, Revelations, I'm saying this for people who hadn't been here. Actually, I was telling somebody the other day, they was telling me something about, uh, about the seven spirits of God. And I said, oh yeah, I've been preaching on that for weeks now. And they said, Really? <laughs> Seriously, they said that to me. I didn't know you'd been preaching on that. And they've been here. It's not like they don't come to church. I didn't say nothing. I thought, amen, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's true. I'm telling you, it's the truth. Anyway, it says the seven spirits of God in Revelations 1, 4, 3, 1, 4, 5, and 5, 6, and 7. That's where I got the term at. And, of course, there's not seven Holy Spirits. There's one Holy Spirit 
always will be, never will be more. And But there's seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit, how He wants to express Himself uh, in this way. Now, there's many. If you go through the Scripture, there's so many manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many they are. But in the last times, in the last days, I believe there's a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit, a more complete, seven means complete, a more complete work of the Holy Spirit that He wants to do in the earth. And He wants to work in our lives. There's a, there's a completeness that He's going to bring. And I think that's really what this is talking about. And when it gives us this, uh, the term, the seven spirits of God. Now, in, in Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, or really 1 through 4, it, uh, it really lays it out for us. It lays out the seven spirits of God, I, what I believe, okay? And um, it doesn't actually use the term there. But I wanted to read that today and give you just a one little clearer picture of, of all of this seven spirits of God thing. Are you good? It says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And we know that speaking of the Lord Jesus himself. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. I just love that. The Spirit of the... That's your prayer right there. Holy Spirit, Spirit of the Lord, rest on me. I think if you pray that prayer, he will answer that prayer. And let me know when you're not resting. In other words, if I'm doing something or something's going on that you're disturbed about, let me sense that, and it'll help you. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So you have the Spirit of the Lord is the main, that's who the, who the Holy Spirit is. He's the Spirit of the Lord. And the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, uh, knowledge and the fear of the Lord is what he is. That's how he's the fullness of how he wants to express himself in the earth and in, upon our lives. Isn't that wonderful? It's really wonderful, I think. His delight is in the fear. Now, right now in verse 3, he sh- he's shifting. Isaiah's shifting and going back to the person of Christ that he mentioned in verse 1. So in verse 1, you got who this person is. It's the Lord. Verse 2, he begins to talk about the, the seven spirits of God. He explains them. He lays them out for us. Then in verse 3, he talks about the manifestations of the seven spirits of God, how they looked on Christ's life. Okay, so this is sort of like a, a picture, a snapshot that tells, really tells us everything there is to know in a, in a very concise few verses about, this, about the seven spirits of God. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Isn't that wonderful? So, I wanted to really show you this, uh, these three things that it tells us in those uh, verses 3 and 4. It tells us three things about the, the seven spirits of God. When we begin to see them operate in our life, the way they operated upon Jesus, these are, this is what we can expect this to begin to operate in our life. The first thing it says is his delight, everybody say delight, is in the fear of the Lord. Now, that's, a un, that's pretty inter, interesting, isn't it? That's what Jesus delighted in. He delighted in the fear of the Lord. How many people delight in the fear of the Lord? Raise their hand. 
Well, I'm, some people are getting this because this is not a normal revelation in the church. This is not a common revelation, the fear of the Lord. That's not something I see in the church. I, I don't see that in many Christians' life. We're not walking in the awe of God like we could be. And yet that was the very thing that Je- Jesus, it doesn't say he delighted in, in uh, healings or miracles or anything. He says he delighted in the fear of the Lord. So that tells me something. That tells me there's something more that God wants to do to bring us to a place where we delight in something called the fear of the Lord. Isn't that powerful? Now, this is connected with the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Okay, I talked a little bit last week about the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, how, how the spirit of knowledge brings us into a, uh, into a righteous fear of the Lord. You know, and I gave that example out of Nathaniel, how he you know, bowed to the Lord when the Lord released some knowledge about his life. But it wasn't just a word. There was some power on those words. And so what God wants to do, I believe, in the church for us is, is the fear of the Lord will come when we begin to know the Lord more. Okay, now that's really how this thing works. Jesus had a revelatory understanding about God the Father. He understood who the God the Father was by revelation. And out of that revelation of knowing something, it caused this delight in Him to fear Him. He had all of God. And see, what what I see with all of us, not all of us, some people raise their hand. I can say me and a couple other people anyway in this room, is we're not really walking in the fear of the Lord because... Because our, our knowledge of God, our understanding of knowing God and our relationship with God is limited. Because if we, if we were really, if we, the more we would know God and see God for who God really is and what He's really like, it would bring an awe into our life. You see what I'm saying? And God wants to release that awe to Christians. We're Christians there's this awe about God that He's not some common thing. You know, He's not optional. He's, He, when He comes with His presence, you know, there's this righteous fear, reverential fear of Him. I wanted to give you the, it means, uh, that word there, if you look it up in the Hebrew dictionary, it means awe-inspiring, terrible, and awesome. Awe-inspiring, terrible, and awesome. That's why in the Old Testament, when the Lord's glory fell in the temple, you know, it says they couldn't even stand before the Lord. But then if you read on, it says they couldn't even, they had to get out. They had to get out of there. Because the power of God, the glory of God, the presence of God was so powerful, it says they had to get out and they couldn't even go back in. That's really a pretty high-level picture of, of the presence of God, Right? And so I believe, you know, that the Lord walked in that, that Jesus walked in that. He delighted in that. He didn't delight in some of the things that we delighted. He, that was His delight. His delight was to delight Himself in the fear of the Lord because He had this grand understanding of who the Father was. He had this grand relationship with the Father. And I'll tell you, you know, it's been awesome what the Lord's done right, in the past few years in, with the revelation of the Father's heart, right? That's been like powerful, life-changing revelation. But I think there's more to it, okay? And I'm, what I think, I mean, I'm thinking, Lord, thank you so much for all what you've done. You know, what you have imparted to us and what you've given to us. But it's not, there's more. There's more to God than we know, much more. And I believe there's a revelation of God that he wants to bring 
And it's not just going to be, and we need to really see this right, it's not just going to be for my healing and for my, for my, for my condition. It's going to bring this fear, this awe, that when we're going to be in awe of God. We're going to think God is like, He's amazing, He's, he's awesome. I know I'm talking to you and everybody's just sitting there, but I tell you, when that day comes, when that day comes in the church, I don't think that day's come yet. I don't, I really don't. But I think the day, well, I shared that story last week about Arthur Burt when he went into that church and the presence of God was so powerful in that church that everybody in there, it was the awe of God had taken over the church. And the pastor was under the piano hoping you know, hoping that those people who were prophesying and exposing the secrets of men's hearts publicly before ever, hoping that they didn't come, you know, repenting before God. And I believe that, you know, that I used to think, oh, God, I, don't do that to me, Lord. You know, that would be terrible if you did that, right? Anybody else, right? That if God came and said, you know what, today we're going to tell the secrets of your heart to everybody. You think that wouldn't be an upsetting day? I mean, I would be for me. I don't know about y'all, but I got some stuff here I wouldn't want everybody in here knowing about, right? I mean, let's get real here. Or do y'all want them to be fake? Let's just fake and act like we're all pure and, you know, we got it all together everywhere and God could tell everything about us and we would just be glowingly happy, <laughs> you know? Oh, we're just, I mean, God's here to show all the stuff about me. that I'm going to be so happy and proud of myself. No, I don't think so. You know, I think, Lord, have mercy, please. <laughs> have mercy. So I think that's one of the things. Um, the fear of the Lord doesn't make us afraid of God. I'll tell you that. It doesn't make us afraid of Him like natural fear, okay? Uh, but it, really what it does is it breaks our faith open. Our faith gets released when the fear of the Lord comes to really come into His presence, Okay, that's what it does. It's not something to, to make you cower. That's, that's the problem with it. As people look at the fear of the Lord, I mean, even that story about God exposing the hearts of men used to be, I couldn't, like, I couldn't stand that story because I was so afraid that God was going to really expose me for what I really am, right? And um, what was that little story Arthur Burt used to say about every man's a liar? You know, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That we, you know, does anybody remember that? He had a little three little, I can't remember it, but anyways, it don't matter. You know, Lord, I'm asking you to do something this morning. I don't think a lot of us in this room, we're not connecting with this, but this is something I believe you really want to do. I believe you want to reveal yourself to an extent that we would fall on our faces and we would be so in awe of you so in all of you, that anything in our life, anything in our life that really doesn't please you, we would want to get rid of it so fast we couldn't stand it. That's, that's what that story's about. It's not about God hurting people and making people look foolish. It's about God helping you get free of things that are destroying you. That's, that's really what the fear of the Lord will do for people. It'll help you get free of things. Pain, Suffering. The second thing is, is Jesus said in verse 3, 
that he would not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears. And that has to do with the spirit of wisdom and understanding. How many people would like to have that kind of lifestyle? That's what you would call a prophetic lifestyle. It's when you're not living your life based on what you hear or see, but you're living your life based on something else. You're living your life on, on, based on a greater revelation. In other words, you, you're, you've made a decision to get your information from somewhere else. Do y'all know that's possible to get your information from somewhere else? Do you know it's possible not to live by what you're hearing and seeing? You know, and see, that's really what, how Jesus lived his life. He walked this earth, and he did not get his information on anything from this plane at all. He got it all from the spirit realm. As he tapped into the spirit realm, and he got what was going on there. And that's what's wrong with a lot of us. We're, we're getting our information from here. People say stuff, people do stuff, we look in the mirror, and we, we, we make decisions based on what we're seeing and hearing for our natural eyes. And yet the spirit of wisdom and understanding will help you get out of that mode and tap into a greater mode. It's the tree of knowledge and good and evil versus the tree of life. And see, what God wants to do right from the beginning is we were meant to live from the tree of life. We were meant to get all our information from there. When man fell, he started getting his information from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And even after you're saved, the majority of people who are Christians today are still getting their information from the knowledge of good and evil. They're not getting their information from the tree of life. They're not getting information from the spirit realm. And see, the, and the way God designed our Christian life to truly work is to get our information from somewhere else. And, and I believe that's one of the greatest things that we're, we're going to start seeing happening is we're going to see people begin to walk on this earth and they're carrying a presence. And the reason they're carrying a presence is, is they're living from that presence. They're hearing from that presence. They're not just hearing like a word about a decision. They're living their life from that presence. And, they're making, and, and, and what they're doing in their life is coming from that world, not this world. Now, I believe that is absolutely 100% possible for you and I right today. Y'all are just sitting there looking at me like. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, that's what a manifestation of walking in the seven spirits of God is. It's not judging what you're hearing or seeing, but you're tapping into your information from somewhere else. And see, that should be our goal. We should, our goal shouldn't be become smarter, know the Bible better, know, know about God better. Our goal should be to tap into Him and find out what's happening there. A lot of people don't, you know, we're talking about healing early. A lot of people can't, they get healed, but they don't stay healed because they're living from here and not living from there. And a lot of people get wounded and hurt and get stuck. And you see them two or three years later, and they're still living two years down behind in, in the past because they're stuck in that place of hurt. It's because they've got their information from somewhere else. Now, I really want to just encourage you. It's possible to get your There's a spiritual realm that's very real that is, is, is open for you and I right this second. It's really good. Here's something uh, that's really that I read that C.S. Lewis said that I love. Uh, I'll let me tell you this story before I read it to you. Uh, one time when I was in the engineer world, I was laying on my couch on a Friday night. I think it was a Friday. No, it was a Saturday night. I was wait, we was watching a movie, and I get this phone call, okay? This is probably about 9 o'clock, and I get this phone call from one of our clients telling me this major dilemma they're in and telling me, you've got to fix this by Monday. 
okay, because this is going to cost us a million dollars a day starting Monday because this entire plant was shut down over something I did. So, you know, you're talking about the fear of God. So I called this vendor I know at his house. I found his phone number, talked to him a little bit, and met him at his office at about midnight on Saturday night to get some parts in the meantime so I could get on an airplane the first thing Sunday morning and go fly up to this plant in West, uh, not West, Virginia. So I went up there and uh, did all this, got up there Sunday afternoon, worked all Sunday afternoon, late into Sunday night. Well, just so you know, it really wasn't my fault I found out when I got there. Somebody else messed it up, but I had to, I was stuck there. And the next morning, they were, you know, that day they were supposed to restart this whole plant, okay? And so they had this big meeting there, and they called the plant, the plant manager, like he's the top man there. He was in this meeting, like, and I was like, man, what in the world? And so they brought me into this meeting to talk to me about what I did, and they were saying, is this going to work, and blah, blah. And I went through this whole thing. I explained everything I was doing to make it work. And the plant manager said, son, how do you know this is going to work? What assurance do I have that this is going to work? And I looked at him. I don't know why I said this today. I said, how do you know the sun's going to rise in the morning? <laughs> I said, it's going to work. And he said, good. Meeting adjourned. And he got up and walked down. I thought, God. I am in so much trouble. If you don't do something, I'm going to be destroyed. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to humiliate our company. I will have the worst rent. I'll never get another job in this field again. Please help me. I had no faith. I don't even know why I said that. How do you know the sun's going to rise? This is what C.S. Lewis said about Christianity. Well, the rest of the story... It worked. <laughs> it worked. Oh, Lord, thank you for that. I've not quit thanking the Lord for that to this day. <laughs> Sometimes you get yourself in messes. Anyway, this, when I read this quote, it reminded me of that. How do you know the sun's going to rise? I believe in, this is what C.S. Lewis said. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but by, by it, I see everything else. Isn't that powerful? It's not just because I see the sun, but by the light of the sun, I see everything else. And see, that's the way Christianity is supposed to be. That's how our life is supposed to be. By the Lord, by the revelation of the Lord. Not only do we see the Lord, we see everything else. We see our life. We see every person. We see every circumstance we're in. Isn't that powerful? And that's really the calling that God has on our life. That really is a prophetic lifestyle, how God meant us to live. And you know, the truth is, I don't even believe it's a prophetic lifestyle. I think that's just the normal lifestyle. That's the normal Christian life that God has called us to, to grow into and live. And really, the truth is, here's how you do that. It's, Jesus told us right from the very beginning how to do it. The first words out of his mouth when he began to preach. This is what he said. Change the way you think and you'll see the kingdom. And that, to this day, is the way you do it. You continually ask the Lord, help me to change the way I think. Let me think in a different way. Not just have a new thought, but completely think in a different way. And when we start thinking in a different way, the way He reveals to us, then we'll begin to see life different. 
And we'll begin to believe different. We'll begin to act different. And that's really the secret to the Christian life. Jesus said it right from the beginning. We say repent is the word, but the repent means change the way you're thinking. That's what it really means, change the way you're thinking. And when you change the way you're thinking, everything in your life will change. Isn't that such a simple, beautiful way that God's designed for us? Change your way of thinking from the tree of knowledge of good and evil as your source to the source of the tree of life. I love that. All righty. The last thing he talked about is he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. That sounds good, doesn't it? Yep. And with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Okay. Now, this has to do with, the, I think this has to do with the spirit of counsel and might. And I think, this is what I really feel in my heart right now. I've got several things that I believe the Lord's shown me about what's important right now. There's about three or four things that really God's emphasizing. And I think the breath of God is vital right now. Okay? The breath of God. When God's breath is on something. Okay? I think God really, and when I say it's vital, I mean God is wanting to release to us the breath of God. Okay? That, he, when, that our words and His words will be in agreement. And I think God is inviting people there's an invitation from heaven, okay, to begin to experience the breath of God on your words instead of your breath. I, I really believe this. Um, this is what it says in John six sixty three. I didn't really give that scripture, but we used to sing this years ago. It's the spirit that quickens or gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Isn't that beautiful? The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, here's what the key is. Here's what many of you need to understand. Every word that you and I speak is spirit. It has spirit on it, but it doesn't necessarily have life on it. Uh, your words can, every word I speak could be spirit and the spirit, you know, the spirit of anger, okay, or frustration or disappointment or discouragement or defeat or pity, okay. Those things, those things ride on our words, whether we know it or not. Have you ever listened to a preacher, but not me, <laughs> that preached and everything they said was awesome, but it, you felt like you were taking a beating for some reason. You just felt like you were getting beat and because they were carrying this frustration in their heart and this subtle frustration was riding on their words. And so what it would make you do is make you feel frustrated. You would walk away feeling frustrated. Or you would hear somebody get up and do a ministry. I remember one time we did this ministry and it was, we came in happy and full of the Lord left beat, you know, just feeling down, feeling beat down because the person kept saying, you know, there's a spirit of downness in here. It's like, yeah, you got it. <laughs> you brought it in here. I was feeling great when I came here. I'm feeling terrible now. I mean, I'm feeling depressed now because we had to really understand our words are powerful in the spiritual realm. Okay, for the good or the bad. And so Jesus says, my words are spirit words, big S. And so what God wants to teach us, not only how to control our tongue like James teaches us, but how to speak life with our tongues. See, that's really what we have to learn. How to, is, that's what Jesus did. He says, I'm going to strike the earth with the rod. That means there's power on those words. That means something's going to happen when he speaks. 
And one of the things that's going to happen is he's going to defeat the devil with his words. And that's how we overcome the devil. That's one of the ways we do it is we speak out the word of our testimony, right? That's what the Bible tells us. So um, telling the truth, this is what I wrote, telling the truth has power, <laughs> right? Here's the thing about, are y'all all right? <laughs> Here's the thing about telling the truth. We need to learn how to tell ourselves the truth. Okay, because I've discovered the one person that I have the most difficult time being truthful with is myself. Okay? We, we say stuff all the time. I hear people say stuff all the time, and it's like, they don't really mean that. They don't really even believe that deep down in their heart. Okay? Well, I'll tell you one example I had one time that was kind of bad. Okay, so we was at this elders meeting here in this church. And I was telling the elders some things I wanted to do that were going to be different. I had this vision. I want, to ha- I want to see the church change, okay? And I was telling them, you know, sort of just the vision part. I- and they started asking me all these questions. And they were really good questions. And I'm thinking, I don't really have an answer to any of these questions. So what I did, I started making up answers. <laughs> and I can remember sitting there telling them, instead of asking me a question, I start giving them the answer. And I'm thinking, I don't even believe that. <laughs> that ain't what I really mean by this. Instead of saying, I have no clue. I have no clue. I don't know. 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 I wish I knew. I don't know. All I know. All I can tell you is this one thing. <laughs> Before the evening was over, well, I was getting a little frustrated because I was lying so much. <laughs> and so I started being kind of aggravating with the elders because I was, you know, I was lying and my conscience was bothering me. You know, I mean, I wasn't thinking I'm lying, but I was lying. I was just making stuff up. As I was going. So I went home and I get this phone call from one of the elders. Hey, Byron, you were being awful defensive in that meeting. That's what he said to me. And you didn't have to be. Why don't you just tell us you didn't know? <laughs> that would have been all right. I thought, oh. You know, that's really a true story. Happened right here in this church building. <laughs> So now when people ask me a question, I don't know, I'm so happy to say, I don't know. In fact, I'm kind of glad to say I don't know. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, all I know is what I know. But I found with myself, okay, and I think we all do this. I found with myself there's times when I, in deep down in my heart, I want something. But I will not be truthful about wanting it because either I'm prideful and feel like if I say it, people will think I'm being prideful or I feel like I could never do it. So I will say some half-heart, like, well, I would never want to be like that preacher, you know, doing all these miracles because that will, they'll get messed up. You know, some ridiculous thing. Have you, you know what I'm talking about? And you see, you're not telling the truth to yourself. So with your words, you're speaking out something that's binding you up. Okay? Now, I'm telling you, this is really the truth. In the spirit realm, words carry power for the good or bad. It says the power of life and death is in the tongue. So what you, I'm not just talking about just saying, you know, using bad. I'm talking about what you speak with your life. Because what, what you say is what's going to happen to you. And so if you are saying stuff that's really not the truth deep inside of you, God, the truth that's been placed in you by God, and you're saying all this other stuff, it's going to bind up God from really being able to do what He wants to do in your life. Or if you are saying stuff that's, you know, God's never called you to that. 
God never wanted you to do that, but you got it in your mind that you feel like you want to do it and you're going to insist on it and you think you can confess your way into it, you're not going to be able to confess your way into it. And even if you happen to, you won't be able to keep it. Okay? Because it was never meant to be. So all that does is mess your life up. Are y'all following this? And so what I am learning, because I'm catching myself, I'm catching myself telling half-truths, okay? And realizing that half-truth, that's a little T-truth. It's not big T-truth. And the Holy Spirit takes issue with half-truths because they're going to hinder you in your life. They're going to bind you up. And, and He'll begin to expose you for that and begin to call you out on stuff you say. And it's not always fun. Are y'all following this? That's why they call him the spirit of truth, Big T. Big T takes issue with little t. He really will. And so really, I've been getting that lately from the Lord about half-truths in my life, not really being 100% truthful with him. Well, Lord, I'd never really want you to do that. You know, truth is, I really would, Lord. Why don't you just say, this is what I really want you to do, Lord. Okay, this, I'm, I'm going to unbind my life. And I want God to begin to do some things in my life. And I don't want my words to be binding them up. Let me read that. Are you all right? Ephesians 6.10, it says, take, up the hel- take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, most of you know, I'm just going to tell you this just in case you don't know. In the, in the Bible, there's a couple words for, like, where it's talking about the Word of God. One of them is Logos. And, uh, and what that means, you know, the Bible's logos. It's the expression of thoughts. And that's what the Bible is, expression of God's thoughts. And that, in the New Testament, that word logos appears 330 times. Okay? 330 times when you see the word, it's logos. But there's 68 other times, there's another word used, and it's rhema. It's, it's where God takes the Word, and makes it alive and applies it to you personally. And that's right here in Ephesians 6, 10, this sword of the Spirit is the rhema Word of God. It's the real Word. It's the living Word that God has taken in your life. And a lot of people don't really know this. When it talks about this sword of the Spirit, the, the original was a two-mouthed sword. A two-mouthed sword. It's what God is saying, and it's what you're saying. Okay? It's what God is saying. It's what you're saying. That's how it works. God says something, and, and you say it, and that, that, he's speaking, and that's not just pulling something out of the air or, or you know, lucky dipping the Scripture, although I have lucky dipped Scriptures, and they worked. <laughs> but I'm saying as a general practice, that's probably not going to work. But I'll try anything, you know, like, if that'll work, hey, I'm going to lucky dip it. It'll work. I don't care what anybody says. I'm doing it, you know. Just don't lucky dip one that's bad, you know. You know what lucky dip is, right? You, you close your eyes, you open the Bible, and you stick your finger on a verse. Okay? And Judas went out and hung himself. <laughs> so I don't really think you should live your Christian life like that, but every once in a while, you know. It's like I don't believe in begging God for stuff. But I've been in states where i like, God, please do something. Please, I'll get. A, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I mean, I will throw all rules out the window, okay? But normally, I don't consider myself to be a beggar, so I don't encourage people to beg. But you know, 
So the sword of the Spirit is the rhema word of God. It's God and you saying the same thing. And when that happens, that's what it was talking about when Jesus said he's going to strike and slay the wicked. It's when you and God are saying the same thing. You are agreeing with God. He's agreeing with you. When you say it, slam, something's going to happen. You know? And so um, I think if you think about the armor, this is what I was thinking. You put on the armor of God, and it starts with the belt of truth, right? That's what holds everything on there. And if you really are not living in truth with God inside, if you're not walking in truth, if you are not being truthful, start with yourself. And once you get truth with yourself, then you can start being truthful with other people. Okay? That's the belt of truth. And that's what holds all this other armor on you. You know, the breastplate of righteousness. That's why a lot of people keep failing in their life. It's because they're not doing that one thing, truth. And, and, and they're thinking that they're going to be protected. And they're opening themselves up to the enemy to really get into their heart. You know? Do y'all follow that? And I believe when we begin to do that, okay, walk in truth. Wear that belt. It'll hold these other pieces on us that it's meant to hold on us. And then there's these other two pieces. One of them is that sword of the Spirit, and the other one is the shield of faith. You've got to learn how to use those. In other words, you just got to get the other ones on and start living with you know, them on you. But when you've got to figure out how this sword of the Spirit thing works, and this shield of, and they work together. Paul said that, right? I believe, therefore I spoke. Are y'all following that? That what he was saying. That's the shield of faith and the sword of spirit working in it. I believe, therefore I spoke. Okay, are y'all getting this? And we all just say, but what I'm just trying to tell you this is, is we have to learn how to use the shield of faith. We have to learn how to use the sword of the spirit. All I'm suggesting to you this morning, okay, instead of you learning how to use the sword of the spirit on me, learn how to use it on yourself first. Because once you learn how to use it on yourself, then you can begin to use it, you know, wherever else you need it to learn. And it's not, for me, it was not easy for me to learn how to use the sword of the Spirit. I had this dream many years ago, and I was in this wilderness area, and I had this big old sword. I mean, this sword was huge. The problem with the sword, it was too big. It was heavy. It was awkward. I could never find the balance point on it, you know, where I could hold it and be in balance. And I messed with that sword for the longest time, trying to learn how to, you know, use it and, you know, all that stuff you do with swords. And somewhere in the middle of it, I stepped into something where all of a sudden the sword had its own life and its own power. And it gave me the power to use it. And suddenly, this really heavy sword became very light to me. And I, it was like the sword became a part of me. I and the sword were one. And that was like, you know, 20 years ago I had that dream. And I feel like since for 20 years I've been trying to figure out how to become one with truth. Where truth and I are, are saying the same thing, doing the same thing. And I think that's what the seven spirits of God will do for people. It will bring them... Bring them into this. Let me finish by saying this last scripture, reading this last scripture. It's Ephesians 5, 18 through 19. 
This is another thing I've been thinking about a lot lately. It says, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. All right, so let me just say this. This ain't about getting drunk except on the Holy Ghost. But people who are using alcohol need to not get drunk. Now, that's what the Scripture says. If you, if you, the Scripture doesn't forbid the drinking of alcohol. I mean, I don't know. Y'all can believe what you but I can't find it in the Bible. But I tell you what, it forbids getting drunk on alcohol. And if you're getting drunk on alcohol, you know what it says? It says it's a waste. It's going to create loss. And it's going to create waste in your life. And one of the things I've told a lot of young people is, especially young people who come out of lifestyles of drinking, you know what? Won't you let it go for, for a while? Even though, even though the Bible doesn't forbid it, it's probably going to be wisdom for you just not to use it for a while because you can create a lot of loss in your life. You can create a lot of messed up stuff in your life by, if, you're, if you're getting drunk. Now, I'm just telling you this. I'm telling you the truth. I've been, I've had people in my family who are, you know, well, they are, they're hooked on, they're substance abuse people. You know, they're hooked on drugs. They're hooked on alcohol. And their lives are, are being destroyed. I mean, being destroyed. Their children's lives. Their grandchildren's lives. And so I, I just really wanted to really entreat people about, about alcohol. Is Again, the Scripture says, doesn't forbid it, but it says don't get drunk on it. So if you're drinking and getting drunk, you need to really stop. If you have a problem, you need to get help. You really need to appeal. Like, you know, I've got a problem here. This is not just me wanting to be a social drinker, have fun with my friends. I've got an issue in my life. I need, I need God to do something. That's, that's what I'm saying. And uh, I hope you hear my heart on this. Um, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Be filled with the Spirit. And this is the number one thing he said. The next word he says, what does he say? Speaking. Y'all get this. Speaking to one another. So you see, in being filled with the Spirit, one of the things that's going to happen is you're going to begin to speak things coming out of the Spirit. Now this is, this is it. That's what I'm telling you about this speaking thing. Is when we get don't be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What I was doing in my life, this melody in my heart, I was lying in my heart to God. I was not being truthful with God. That ain't no melody. That's disharmony, you know. And so, you know, one of the manifestations of being filled with the Spirit is words, words that have power. Words that change things. And I believe, you know, that's really how God wants to use us, is that we're going to be able to, we're, we're going to, be able to speak to things, speak to sicknesses, speak to storms, turn water into wine. You know, whatever God is speaking, that we're going to be get in alignment with His words and speak those words ourselves. And that's when we're going to really start seeing things to really happen. And I'm really excited about that, personally speaking. You know, I really am. Amen? So why don't we just stand up and let me pray and ask the Lord to, you know, y'all seem to be more excited about the worship than my preaching. I don't really get that. (laughs) It goes without, Jacob said it goes without saying. (laughs) The worship's great, Lord. We'd rather worship you than hear preaching, right? 
It's all good, right? It's all good, right? All good. All good. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Lord, okay, here. Lord, we, we are saying, we're just saying yes to you this morning. Lord, I want to pray for, for people who have uh, trouble in the area of, of drinking or have family members in that area, you know, that, that God wants to, to, to deliver and heal. There's no condemnation in Christ about that. Please, please hear that. Please hear that God does not condemn you and that it doesn't make you any less lovely in His eyes. You are lovely in the Lord's eyes. And the Lord wants to set families free, I believe, from all that. His whole families. We've got family, the whole families. The entire families are being destroyed by this, by that. And we, I believe the Lord wants to heal them. And I know the Lord loves them. I know that. Because I've trash-talked them and I've gotten dressed down by the Lord over. <laughs> yeah, they love Him, but, but they're trapped, you know. And so, Lord, we, we don't want waste in our life this morning. We are asking you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill us and fill our mouth with your words, Lord. I just pray for every person in this room. Mm. Holy Spirit, just, just invite the Spirit of truth in your life. Say, Spirit of truth, come. Just come, Spirit of truth. I'm inviting you into my heart. I'm telling you I want to get, get truthful. I want to quit telling half-truths. I want to begin to speak the truth to you about my life. So I ask you to help me to do that. Help show me where I'm not being truthful, Lord. Lord, I choose to let the sword of the Spirit work on me first and foremost. I ask you to do that in Jesus' name. And I thank you for that.